out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest this week. It's going to be the turn of the writer, journalist and musician. It is Jerome Salignig, who I spoke to very recently to find out more about life, love, poetry. And also a new book that has just come out in English, because it's just been translated, called David Bowie, Rainbow Man, 1967 to 1980. It's available from all good bookshops, also online. It's hardbacks, amazing publication. I probably mentioned it has 700 pages and it's worth buying now. Anyway, this is the interview, so you can find out much more about everything, really. Um, So after seven minutes of interest and casual chat, we get down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years. Take notes, I will test you at the end. Anyway, Jerome, over to you. It It is quite funny because, I mean, I grew up listening to the music that David Bowie loved the most, which is basically jazz and bop you know and one of the last conversation i had with david um we talked about the music that my father liked you know and the record that my father had and actually the 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 records i inherited because my father died when i was writing the first volume of rainbow man and and so i grew up listening to dizzy gillespie west montgomery uh, Errol Garner, Miles Davis, Mingus, you name, you name, you name them, you know what I mean? All yeah. these people, you know. And David told me once regarding jazz, because he had vinyl in New York, vinyl records in New York, you know, and he, 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 somehow he, he kept some of the vinyls he had when he was a, when he was young, you know. And uh, and I mentioned a few records that my father had and my mother. My, my father bought when he was a student in Paris, and he said, "Well, I've got this one. Oh yes, I've got this one. And does he have modern jazz, modern jazz quartet, for instance, or whatever, you know?" And, and so I grew up listening to jazz. But my mother, she made me one of the most beautiful gifts, and uh, of course, and she bought me um, singles by the Beatles when I was like nine, you know. Right. When I was nine, it was the end of the 60s, you know, and the Beatles were, I, I bought my first, I mean, I was bought my first Beatles singles when actually they had sp- they already split up, you know. <laughs> so so I think one of my first single was Get Back with Don't Let Me Down on the B-side, you know, and probably um, the um, the ballad of John and Yoko uh, with, with on the B-side, Old Brown Shoe, you know. Right. And, uh, and. If you only had these two singles, because at the time, I mean, I, I, it's not like today where you have access to everything you want, you know. But I mean, I remember when I was, I started buying albums from the age of nine, but sometimes there were there, there was like six or nine months between between two albums. It was not like well, I'm going to buy an album every day, you know. And I remember, I think I spent maybe six months with only these four songs, you know. And needless to say that they changed my life, you know, because they, I mean, the Beatles to, to me are the best band in the world, you know, there, there's no, there's no competition, there's no, you know, so, and luckily enough, um, it, it was the, the end of what we call primary school in, in, in French, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then you go, you go, you go to another different kind of school when you're around 11, and when I was around 11, uh, I was given a, 
a bag, you know, by somebody who was actually older than me. And he gave me a bag with three records in the bag, you know, and he said, you, you should listen to this. It's, you're going to love that. And there was the first Roxy Music album. There were Killer by Alice Cooper and there was Anki Dory. And those three records blew my mind, you know, obviously. And obviously, Anki Dory made probably the most, you know. But I'm so, I'm, I'm very good friends with Alice to this day, you know. And uh, I should be interviewing Brian Ferry like in a couple of days, you know. So it, it's still, they're still part of my life. But I mean, basically, I come from jazz, then the Beatles. Right, that was it. And then you were obviously a little bit older than, than me. So I'm sixty. I'm sixty-four. Like sixty-four, like, like, magic 64. age. So that meant means probably that you would have been a little bit more aware of things like that musical change in the seventies to the late seventies. Maybe, but I mean, the difference was that I was born in the wrong country, as I always say, because I mean, um, you, you had top of the pops, and you probably saw David uh, and Mick Ronson on top of the pops, but but we di we didn't have any pro program like this. In I mean, the first uh, pop or rock programs on French TV were kind of very late, you know, in the evening, you know, and it was a uh, gloomy black and white, you know, and. Uh, and and for a long time, and I think it's part of the magic, for a long time we had records, but we couldn't put images on, you know what I mean? We 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 couldn't see anything except the record covers, you know. So I remember listening to My Love by Paul McCartney, you know, and kind of thinking of things, imagining things, you know. And one day I saw the video clip of my love and i said well it's it's has got nothing to do with everything <laughs> of the things that i was imagining when when i was watching it you know so it was also a time where where you had to create i mean you had the music right and you mm -hmm. had to create the rest you know but now, now you see everything you know so it's quite yes different. we we struggle we had to struggle slightly to find our our sort of uh yes like you said it would you'd buy one album possibly two albums a year a few singles Again, not many, but you'd play the B side because you wanted to get your value for your yeah. 69p that probably took several months to um, and save also up. Because I was a musician, uh, I, I mean, I, I had my first record on the year that I, that I discovered on Kidori. I started to play guitar on that same guitar that I still use to this day when I write songs for other people. Yeah, I've got the same guitar, but I mean, so so I had a period of time where I used to to like uh, ten years after very much or Deep Purple because of the guitar our players you know and actually we did the launch of rainbow man in london we did it at dean street studio which is which is actually tony visconti's old studio that now is run by um the daughter of alvin lee the guitar player of 10 years after you know right so, so it meant a lot to me to be in dean street studio because the place used to be owned by tony but it but it meant also a lot to me because it, it's a it's now run by alvin lee's daughter you know Al, alvin lee is kind of my guitar hero like uh, mick ronson of course but alvin lee i you know if i can't sleep at night i try to find something of, of alvin lee on youtube and uh, it makes my night <laughs> yeah well absolutely i think the first time i came across alvin lee was that uh was it the woodstock film and sort of yeah, being of quite course, you know that was the first time i'd seen this face and this kind of expression of him rocking course, out yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. It was quite something, really. We all the next day went to school and were quite excited by Alvin Lee and his 
course. Yes, it was it was good. Good, solid. And obviously Richie Blackmore as well was one of your other guitar heroes. Yeah, it's it's funny because I mean uh, being a journalist uh, since uh, the, the the early 90s, you know, I I've, I've got to meet all these people, you know, and uh, and it's like a dream come true. I think it's a very sane, safe way of meeting your idols you know what i mean because i had to do it for for a reason you know i mean i i, I would never wait uh, at the door of some backstage to get an autograph or or make a selfie which i found totally ridiculous but i was pre-selfie anyway but the <laughs> thing is that of course when you if, if you if you're lucky enough to meet them uh, there's always that moment when you say would you mind singing singing the record you know so so that's yes, that. absolutely. God, that's a, that's fantastic. You have a, a nice one hour sort of relationship with that person. They can be your best friend for that moment. So then just briefly then, so your 80s, you'd left school, probably left home. Were you then playing music or were you just yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i i still do actually i'm i've got what we call a very low 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 key <laughs> kind of a <laughs> musical activity uh except that i'm a, so so I, I i tried to have a band which didn't work i tried to be a solo artist which didn't work really, uh, in terms of money you know that i i made two stupid albums that some people are always happy to to tell me that they like it, you know, which I which I which which I appreciate hearing. But I mean, I can't stand listening to them. But luckily, I was kind of lucky to meet uh, some French singer uh, who was at the dawn of his own career and and who was a very good friend of mine now and uh, and was a man of his word, you know, and who loved my songs. And he said, one day I'm going to sing your songs, you know, and and he did it. And uh, he became popular with his own songs and also singing mine, you know. So I could be, I could be, uh, uh, I could have some success with my songs without without singing them, you know. Which is which is fine by me, you know, because I mean, uh, I like recording in my studio. I like doing things in my studio. But 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 I mean, I'm, 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 if I go on stage, if I sing live, I'm I'm, I'm useless, you know. I'm I'm very bad, you know. And uh, so when you have a friend who's a good performer and who actually sings your songs, it's great, you know. Yes, absolutely. I think this is what well, David originally said that didn't he? he wanted to write songs for other people but then realized he was going to have to uh take the mic and take the stage and um yeah, i quite like the idea of that some people are don't like exactly what they do or do it themselves i'm i mean i mean david always considered that the music he was doing was inferior to the music of the people he, he, he respected you know and he was sincere saying that you know and uh, and for instance john lennon as you know he didn't like his voice you know and uh uh, and some people find it find him one of the greatest singers. You know, yes, so, so. I know. I think um, Jimi Hendrix as well was very kind of um, embarrassed by his voice. Didn't like anybody watching him, and he would just go yeah. away and and do his vocals, and then just come out thinking, "Oh, you know, is that okay?" So, when did you then find, or when did Mr. Bowie appear in your life? Then I, I know you mentioned Hunky Dory, but you were. Funnily enough, uh, a couple of years before meeting David, uh, I was working on some two projects: a, a, mu- a film sound- a soundtrack for music for a movie, and on my f- first and last album on a major company, which was actually BMG at the time. And um, I wanted to, I, I needed a good, a good a good musician with me because I, I on these two projects I did most of the music myself, and I needed 
a pair of good musicians. So I asked a, a guitar player who was a good friend of mine. Uh, I asked Andy McKay from Roxy Music if he was okay to play some oboe on, on, on a few tracks. And as many people know now, I found Mike Garson in LA who was totally out of the rock business, you know, because uh, as you know, uh, he left David in 1975 or something, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then that was it, you know, and he, and he had a, a very long gap of, of not, not hearing about David and, and David probably not hearing about him. So uh, through my music publisher was, was Virgin at the time. We found Mike in LA, and so Mike came uh, to Paris and Brassens to record with me uh, on, on these two projects, uh, like very early 90s, you know, between, between 89 and, and 91, you know. And uh, a few years before this, I was approached by somebody from the French magazine Rock and Folk, mm -hmm. that, who said, Jerome, would you like to write for us? And I said, well, you know, I'm a musician or struggling musician. I try to make some money with my music, you know, which I find it kind of hard. But I mean, luckily, uh, my friend Etienne Dao sings a, a, few, a few of my songs. So it, uh, I mean, I could buy the house I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and eventually he said, well, if you, uh, what I would like you to, to, to do is, uh, I mean, be a journalist, but but not like a rock critic, you know. But go interview them and 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 uh, and, um, and spend time with them. And uh, and just because you're a musician, maybe something will happen. Maybe something special will happen. And he was so bloody right, you know, without actually knowing it. So funny, funny thing is, I was in studio in the studio um, in ICP in Brussels. And I had a phone call from my, my editor saying, Jerome, Tin Machine is coming to Paris in a couple of days. You got to interview David. That was mm -hmm. my first time. Uh, and he said something like, you know, you've been talking about David Bowie for years, and now it's time for you to, <laughs> to, to, face, to face the man, you know. So I did, I, I went, you know. Uh, as explained, I think, in the, in the forward, uh, it, it it was a great a great meeting. Obviously, you know, I was shaky and everything. You know, uh, all, all that you can imagine of a of a of a fan in, in front of such a such a monument, if mm -hmm. I may say. And eventually, at the end of the interview, which lasted kind of long, it was quite long at the time. You know, now if you have ten minutes with Mick Jagger, you're happy. You know, but at the time, I think I was given two two an hour and a half with, with Tin Machine. You know, and. Uh, and eventually at the end of, I gave him my book, you know, and at the end of the interview, I said something that probably uh, uh, lit a, a spark or whatever. And I said, my Garson says, hello. So he looked at me kind of strangely and he said, what do you mean my Garson says, hello? And I said, well, I'm a, that tiny kind of musician, you know, and I'm working on a project and actually I'm recording with Mike. And he said, where? And I said, well, he's in he's in Belgium, in, in, in Brussels, and I'm uh, I'm gonna go back there tomorrow, you know. And then I was leaving the hotel. I was in the lobby, you know, and Coco ran after me. Coco Schwab ran after yes. me, and she grabbed my shoulder. And even though she speaks French, because as you know, she's French, you know, she, she told me in English, "What are you doing today?" 
and I and I told her, well, I'm going back home, and then I'm going to go back to Brussels. I live in La Havre, you know. And and eventually she said, well, if you want to stay with us, you can stay with us. David would like would be happy to talk to you uh, today, you know, because he was doing some promotion in in the in the Paris for Tin Machine, you know, so going from radio stations to TV sets or whatever, you know. And uh, so I spent that day with him. You know, that's what my first day after the interview, I spent like up to 7.30 in the evening, you know, mm -hmm. um, in his car. Sometimes he talked to me, sometimes he didn't, you know, uh, when he was making, uh, when he was ha having makeup uh, or whatever, uh, he, he said, come with me. And we talk about totally different things, many things going from many subjects related to france you know he talked me about pierre talked to me about pierre laroche, pierre laroche you know the, the makeup guy he used to work with because he mm. was from from um, north africa so so and and then eventually he he wanted to to know if i knew him uh, we talked about he talked about theater he talked about le havre you know he talked he talked to me about uh, uh, le france you know that that the 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 ship because uh, he, 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 as you know he used to to go a lot on ships and whatever so we talked about that you know and it was like a kind of random discussion of somebody who felt at ease for some reason you know with me and the most funny thing and and we talked we laughed about that not so long ago with Reeves is that David had, had a very high class dinner at Chateau de Versailles with Iman on that same day and obviously at some point he said well i'm sorry i can't I'm, i can't have dinner with with you because i'm going to the chateau de versailles avec iman with iman so of course you know i just said well i understand no problems you know but he arranged a dinner with reeves because he wanted me to stay around you know so i had a dinner with reeves gabron for the first time you know and i spent the evening with reeves and then finally i i, I took my little car and i drove back to to to, to, to my place so it was supposed to be it was my first meeting Meeting. It was to be like an interview, and it, and, and it lasted the whole day. And when I said, uh, so the day after, uh, I'm back in Brussels, and Mike says, "How did it go?" And I said, "Well, you won't believe it, but 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 actually, I spent the day with him." And he said, "Well, I'm not surprised. You know, I know you both. I'm not surprised. What do you mean you're not surprised? You know, I, I'm very surprised. You know." Yes. And of, course, of course, the end of the story, and then it's finished, is that 10 days after this, he called back Mike. Right. And there you go. That's quite an interesting story, isn't it? Because he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need some piano on some soundtrack that I'm doing. You know, it was the, the Buddha of Suburbia, you know. So Mike went to 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 record a bit of piano on the on the Buddha, and it's, it's the first time they 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 met after I think it's seventeen years, you know. Yes. So, so maybe I lit a, a bit of a spark in David's mind, but actually Reeves knows this story, and Reeves said also said told me at some point that the Tin Machine had considered having Mike on piano, you know. But 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 you you want to know why they didn't pick him in the end is because in the tin machine there was only divorces you know and, and mike was married so david said no it could it, it can't work because we are the four divorces you know if somebody is married in the band it won't work you know no so, absolutely so, anyway, so, so mike mike always say that i'm a quite bit responsible of of, of the fact that david 
did call him, which I which I, which I'm not sure because I'm I'm pretty sure that David Bowie needed nobody when he wanted to call back a musician. But the fact is that Reeves, Gabrons, and me, we talked about about Mike to David, and and he did he did call Mike ten days after that or a week after that. Yes, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because I know that David had an issue with Tony Visconti for a while, and then. You know, patched that friendship, Mike, but, and and with Mike, you know, and I, with I, Mike, I, and, and was that I, to do with Mike's? Was it Scientology at the time? Yeah, it was. You know, uh, to be honest, there are there are, as as you know, I think that the the Rainbow Man is about music, you know, and uh, yes, and and I, and I know more things than there are in Rainbow in Rainbow Man, but they are they got nothing to do with music, and and they 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 don't serve the music or they don't serve. But David as an artist or as a musician, mm. so there's no point in me for me to um, to write them and or to discuss them, you know. But 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 it's, it's not a secret that there they, they was a bit of a riffraff, yes. you know, yes. an argument with some that's... people, you know. And eventually, and eventually, he, he, I think David had that thing that that's all I can say. But when he had an argument with somebody, it's because. Um, the human side was a was a preeminent, if I may say. But for him, the music always went first, you know. So even if there was an argument at some point, he knew that if that guy or, or the, the the people there was a problem with, I mean, if they could be good for the music, it it was better to leave the problems behind, you know, and 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 let the let let the music do the talking, you know. Yes, and, and I think, I think and that's what happened with 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 Tony because obviously Tony was kind of pissed off for, uh, just before Let's Dance because I mean he was booked, the studio was booked, and everything, and and, and eventually Naira just produced Let's Dance, but but then when David gave the phone, I, I know exactly because I translated Tony's book in French, but but I mean, when, when David gave that phone call to Tony saying, I'd like to have a coffee with you, you know, nobody was stupid enough to say, no, we don't want to do that, or, or no, you know, and uh, and uh, so, so that's it. I mean, David used to think that music came first, always came first, you know, which can be tough for, for human beings, for human relationships, you know, but that's the way it was, you know. Yes, well, I think Neil Young had the same attitude to, to it was always about the music and if yeah. he meant he was just going to leave Crosby, Stills and Nash because it wasn't working, yeah. he was going to do it, do it and follow his path. So then, okay, so um, coming to the book, you know, when, so your relationship started around that, 90s the early 90s and yeah. the beginning of his kind of I suppose it's interesting because that's the beginning of his kind of relationship which is kind of where the film Moon Age Daydream um fi kind of finishes isn't it when he kind of finds a certain domestic happiness yeah. and yeah. obviously that's also the end of Tin Machine as well mm -hmm. and then your friendship begins and then he goes through quite a different you know quite like you said he does that soundtrack then he does um, his drum and bass stuff, and then he sort of goes to hours and then plays yeah, Glastonbury. Black White Noise, you know. I mean, I mean, Black and White Noise was my first major David Bowie interview because I mean, the the tin, the, the the one before was Tin Machine, you know. So, so again, it it was it was also. I mean, it says a lot about how he was because uh, um, when Black Tie White Noise was released, my the album I was working on with Mike when I met him for Tin Machine uh, was was released three months before, and 
as stupid as it can sound, I I brought my album to him, you know, because I wanted to give it to him. So I arrived in the studio. Um, uh, that's the first time I met Alan Edwards, you know, who's a, who's a good friend of mine now and uh, where I respect a lot and we did so much for David. And uh, and uh, I, I, I take my record, my, my, my own record, to give it to him. And he, watched, he, 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 he looks at it and he says, Jerome, what do you think? I've, I've got it. And I said, what do you mean you've got it? I bought it. What do you mean you bought it? Yeah, I bought it because I mean we we know each other, you know, and 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 I knew that you there was your record out, you know, and I bought it, you know, as if it was so bloody natural that he could buy the the, the album of a dwarf like me just because we we met before, you know. And he said, actually, I can talk to you about your album if you want, and he did, you know, like for like for for fifteen minutes, he he kind of reviewed my album, which was good, what was not good, you know. Actually, he made me a great compliment, you know. He said something. That's the only thing I, I can say because I already said it and it's quite funny. He says, you're a bit like Morrissey. And I said, what do you mean I'm, I'm like Morrissey? Well, I know exactly who are your influences, you know, but you can't hear them. So a bit like Morrissey. He, say, he says, Morrissey is a fan of the New York Dolls, you know, and when you listen to Morrissey, it doesn't sound like the New York Dolls, you know, and and he said, same for you, same for you. I know you're a fan of Roxy music, of course, of my music or T-Rex, you know, and your music doesn't sound like, like this at all, you know, so, so that, so I, I it, it is, Again, something that uh, that's, with, that's the only time I, I was about to interview such a huge rock star. And actually, told, first thing he told me is, I bought your record. <laughs> <laughs> yes, God, that's quite soon. So then did you, with from then on, was it a kind of case that you just kept kind of a casual friendship in, you know? On, I, I, on... I never used the word friendship to, to, to describe that relation. It's always... People like Tony, for instance, or people who, who knew us at the same time, you know, uh, or, or people who saw us together, you know, and Tony did, you know, and Tony did uh, actually, it's probably the, the one who saw, saw, us, saw, saw us the most together. I always considered it, it, was, it was a professional relationship, you know. We never had, I, as I said, we never, we never been to holidays together, but actually mm. we, but we, we we but we did have a cafe in, in New York because he knew. I, I remember coming for interviewing Lou Reed, you know, and the office knew that I was coming, you know, and I got I I, I got an email saying if if you got time tomorrow, you maybe you can have a coffee with David or whatever, you know. Who would turn this, you know? So so that's the kind of thing. So I had this relation up to the very last interview where where, where I could kind of. Uh, I was not the only. Journalist from Rock and Folk to interview him because there, 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 would, there would be no reason. We have another another guy at Rock and Folk who, who, who knew David David's music very well. So sometimes it was him, and sometimes it, it was me. Maybe it was more me than him. But I mean, but the, but the thing that I did a lot because I was invited, you know, is that I went backstage many times, you know, or I went to the hotel many times, you know, and we we could have a, a discussion in. Uh, uh, talk in the lounge or whatever, you know, at the bar, you know, and talk about music, talk about what I'm doing, talk about kids, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
I think I bought a book to 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 Lexi when she was a kid, you know, and and he wanted to know about my ch my children, what kind of music my 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 son uh, was listening to. My son had a band at the time, so one day he knew there was a track out. He, he wanted me to send him the MP3 or whatever, you know. He was very curious, you know. Yes, absolutely. You know, of, of music, you know, and uh, and so so it was. One day he told me that the reason why there was, there was such a relation is because I was a musician first, you know, and he could sense that I was a musician first, you know, and and uh, and eventually he was bloody right because the only reason why Rainbow Man happened is because when I said to the publisher, okay, I can do something about David, but I just want to talk about music and I want to talk to as many musicians as I can, you know, I was pretty sure that the publisher was a very prestigious one, you know, Gallimard, probably the, the most yeah. notorious in France, you know, uh, and, and I was pretty sure that it would turn me down because I, I thought they might be interested in sex and drugs and rock and roll, you know, and my book is only about music and the way and the way the, the record were made so we could, and the tours or whatever. And, 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 and actually, I, th I, I think that 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 angle is is something that is so in me because I remember, you know, he, he was kind of one day he said, "Is there a song that I never played that you would like to hear when I sing when I play live?" Yes, and I said, "Well, I don't know, tons, you know." And he said, "Well, just name one." And I said, "Well, Quicksand. You never played Quicksand live." And you know what he said? He said. Hey, it's funny because Brett Anderson of Suede just told me the same thing. And he said, well, I should play Quicksand one of these days. Next thing you know, the tour afterwards, it would open with Quicksand. Yes. So he was actually asking what people thought, you know, and he was, he was listening to people, you know. Which is not a very rock star kind of attitude, you know. What I no, mean. it's fascinating you know? though. So that was was that his kind of reality tour that you sort of that that came up to because because I saw that tour and I'd seen him at Glastonbury in two thousand. Did you was that kind of towards that period that um, when you? Well, were... I was on stage at at Glastonbury. You know, uh, it was one of the it's one of the most memorable souvenir of my life. You know. Uh, I remember Coco squeezing my hand and my arm so strong that it hurt during the whole show, you know. That's two and a half hours. Did you have a big as bruise? You, as you know, Glastonbury, I mean, you, you can have a bit of the press and, and VIPs on, on some, uh, scaffold, some kind of scaffolding on, on, yes. on one side. Actually, you see in the movie, you see where we where we were. You can't see exactly people, but you see where we were. And uh, I came backstage. She she grabbed my, my arm. She took me there, you know. And 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 it's 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 been a, a kind of a joke for for a couple of years because I mean, and, but but she she was very strongly, you know, catching my my arm, you know. And uh, and 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 I think she was moved to tears. I was moved to tears and David was moved to tears because he, he left the stage and he was actually crying. As, as, but, but I mean, it's what people have said, but uh, I, 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 I've seen him, you know, and there were a few people backstage and uh, at the back of the stage and he, he took everybody in, in his arms, you know, because he was so moved by, by the 
going back there, Glastonbury, you know, and and I mean, England meant so much to him, you know. Yes, I I I, I, I kind of think that uh, I may be wrong, and and it's a bit private, but I kind of think that if life uh, had been different, he would have come back to to England at some point. Yes, well, it does sometimes. Yes, it surprised on how many people eventually start to gravitate. Just like John Lennon, actually, John Lennon had mentioned had mentioned it, you know, to a few people uh, a few weeks before getting. Yes, that's um, yeah, that's another strange kind of relationship mm-hmm. with David, wasn't it, and the Elephant Man? So, so then that was two thousand. Then, as we progressed on. You know, obviously, he brings out his two albums, Heathen Reality, does that tour. Um, are you still kind of in touch and keeping up? You well, know? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I think, obviously, I think the rea- a, a reality tour, as we should say, is probably the, the one I've seen the most gigs, you know, because I think it's close to, I don't know. We actually... Um, also, also the the, um, the outside tour. I, I I went to the premiere in New York. Then we then we visited a, a few a few a few Hartford, Connecticut, and probably Boston too. You know, we kind of followed a few days with my with my friend journalist Herrick, and uh, that David used to like too. And uh, and and we did for we 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 did see uh, a lot of uh, all the French gigs of uh, except one of the reality tour, and and uh, went to London, went to Germany at some point, you know. So right. I don't remember exactly, but but we saw and so and and mostly every night uh, I, I could go go to the sound check, you know, and uh, be as discreet as possible, you know, and and and. and most of the time, uh, Coco or, or the French or um, tour manager we, we, we would say, uh, "Come and say hello," you know. So, I, so I, maybe I would leave like five minutes. I would stay like five minutes or, or half an hour. It would depend on the on, on, on the occasion. But I mean, always there was there was always a, a word and how how are you? How's the family? And uh, and and after and after the gig, he was always asking what we would think, you know, and listening. Yes. Yeah. Was the sound okay? I, 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 I was not sure about the sound to, tonight. Yes, it was good, David. Yeah, you, you're sure, you know. And uh, and then, of course, uh, reality and um, and and we've got great memories of the Olympia, you know. And uh, the Olympia is it's really funny because uh, it meant a lot to him because, uh, as you know, it's like uh, Edith Piaf you used to used to play and the Jacques Brel and the Beatles, you know. Yes. And, uh, and I remember <laughs> being backstage one hour before the gig, you know, and uh, and I was using a small corridor just with my wife, you know, and we were we were actually about to leave to to go to 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 the venue, and uh, and 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 he came the other way, you know, and I was with my wife, and he didn't look at me; he only looked at my wife, you know, and he went to her. And he said, Sophie, how are you? And he started to chat with Sophie, you know, and without without watching me, without a single look at me. And, and after like five minutes, he said, Jerome, you don't mind because I always see you, right? And I never see Sophie. So now I talk to Sophie, you know. That's a kind of a, that's a kind of humor, you know. He, yes, he, he, he could have so, and she was like, "Oh, oh," you know. But I mean, he was, uh, he was, he, 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 he's a bit like Paul McCartney. I mean, Paul is like, I mean, you you, you feel at ease with Paul because he's so, you know, he's so down to earth. David was really down to earth with us, you know. 
Because yes. that's the David Bowie I knew. Actually, the David Bowie I knew is the David Bowie of the second volume, you know, the, the David Bowie of the first volume I never met, you know, but but the, the, the second volume is basically the the, the 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 David Bowie I knew, so. Yeah. The, you know. So then, then, you know, obviously there was the, you know, tragedy and sort of sadness about the the health did you did you keep any relation you know any communication going during those kind of periods no, the, the, to be exactly honest the situation is, is that um i didn't know about the the the, the illness you know uh so i'm not going to pretend that i did <laughs> that i knew because i didn't know um the last email i received was december 2014, you know, so I had no news during 2015, you know, except that in 2015, um, Tony Visconti came to Paris for uh, directing a string section on, on, on a couple of songs of some project that I was working on at the time, and I'm still working on, you know, the longest album uh that I'm gonna record, you know. I mean an album I started 10 years ago. It's 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 a bit ridiculous, but it's the truth. And at some point, uh Tony wanted to to he told us I'm gonna say to David that I'm in Paris and that I'm recording with you. So he had a bit of a of a a bit of a FaceTime with David, you know, and and he showed he showed David that I was in recording in the studio, and we and we just said a quick hello like this, you know, and uh, and that's it, you know. And when I went to see Lazarus uh, in 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 New York, um, I spent the uh, maybe two afternoons with Tony uh, in his studio, and obviously Tony knew. But obviously, Tony didn't tell me anything except the fact that we are really close friends for 30 years. So he was very respectful of the fact that he, he didn't say anything. I could sense that there was something, you know, but, but it would be pretentious of me to, to say that I knew or that I, that I figured out that he was ill or whatever, you know. Because during the, during the notice, you know, there were so many rumors of him uh, being sick and he was not. Yeah. And you know, you know, I remember people telling me, like in 2007, something like this. Uh, Have you heard about David Bowie? He's nearly dead, or whatever. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not sure that he's nearly dead because he went to see Jeff Beck at some small concerts in a small venue in New York, or, or maybe it was 2004, or whatever. But I mean, sometimes, sometimes people would say some. I mean, the rumors I, I never trust, you know. So, so funny yes. enough, when everybody thought he was very ill. Maybe he was not that ill, you know, and eventually in 2015, he was ill, but nobody really suspected, you know. So. No, it, it definitely did. So then when did you, you know, just to sort of talk about the, the, the book, the projects that came out, when did this start? When did you decide? You saw the publisher. Well, as I was saying, when David passed away, the week after David passed away, had offers from French publishers like I never had in my life, you know, uh, in terms of money, in terms of whatever. They wanted me to write anything 
uh, even crap, but as long as it was quick uh, to be released, probably to be published, probably before the Christmas afterwards, you know, yes. I turned I turned them all down. I I, I refused. Uh, I actually I refused quite a lot of money uh, and uh, some of my friends say Jerome you're totally ridiculous I accept take the money you know and, and write anything and I say no I'm not going to do that and and I and I meant it that I didn't want to record anything except that one one day I had that phone call from a guy from Gallimard saying Jerome we understand that you don't want to write anything about David because I mean you were kind of close to him or you knew him very well or whatever and, and he said well I'm going to, just going to say this. Whatever you want to bring to Gallimard, whatever your idea is, whatever your project might be, we're going to sign it. We're going to publish it. So I went back to my place. I talked to my wife, talked to my kids. And in my mind, just because I'm a musician, even a very tiny one, I started to think that maybe if we could tell the, the story of the recordings, um, as best as I could and have um, a lot of interviews of people who actually worked with David, knowing the fact that I knew or I already knew quite a lot, you know, it would be a good angle, you know, but I, but I was pretty sure that the publisher would turn down, you know, and actually he agreed, you know. And then mm -hmm. to, 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 to say very shortly, I got totally carried away by the project. Because at the very beginning, I thought that maybe um, I would use, I don't know, 50 or 70 interviews, you know. And in the end, for both books, it's uh, 320 people that actually talked to me about David. So there are people who talked to me after his passing away. And obviously, bits of Mikronson or stuff like that are, are things that I had in my archives, in my in my in my uh, reservoir, if I may say, of, of all interviews. The bit with Lou Reed, Lou Reed talking about David to me is something that I already use in some interviews, you know. Actually actually I use the, the search engine on the Mac, you know, and everybody who mentioned David Bowie in an interview, I put it in the book because I thought it was funny to to even if it's a Chris Martin you know, saying three words or three lines about David, but I mean, it's, uh, so. Yes, it's, it, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I, you know, because of, I just said at the beginning, you know, David was kind of this person who was in my life from a very young age. And when he passed, you know, there was this processing period. So I too have been trying to interview as many people um, who'd worked and, you know, been with David. And it's just been kind of an interesting, you know, journey on my own kind of way. And it's been kind of fascinating. And I just noticed a lot of the names that you managed to track down were slightly familiar. And then you even, you know, you went to even those, because because the, the people who are obvious and have told their story have told their story. So in a way, you know, it's like, well, I don't need that anymore. You know, there is a there is there, there there is a big issue when you when you try to do a, what you call oral story or or part oral story. You know, people are talking. If you simply listen to people talking, record them, and put it in a book, it's going to be a crap book. Because these people, they lived whatever they can talk about, whatever they talk about. But just because they live, they didn't take note. They, they 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 lived it. They didn't take notes, right? And obviously, in the flow of a conversation, they make mistakes. So some people that I wouldn't name, who, who, who made books about David 
which is an oral story, it's full of mistakes, you know. I had to deal with the people I talked to, and even if it was Mike, and obviously even if it was Tony, because it's quite notorious now, but when I translated Tony's book in French, I actually corrected close to 150 mistakes, factual mistakes that are, that are in the English edition of, to, of Tony's book. Mm -hmm. Because when I realized that, the, that there was a lot, I did. I, I told him, and I said, Tony, I've got this problem. I mean, it's a couple of things that are not exactly right in terms of years, song titles, name of musicians, you know, slight details, you know. But I think that if you if you're somebody like Tony or if it's Trevor Horn or George Martin who tells things about his recording, it should be accurate, you know. And Tony says, Jerome, please correct any, any, anything you want. I trust you, you know. Actually, we have that joke that um, uh, Tony tells it. Uh, he told it the other day uh, when we were at the lounge. That's some, some sometimes when D David would have dinner with somebody and he was mentioning things that happen things from his past and he wouldn't remember and he said well somebody's got jerome's number we got to call jerome you know and and i guess it's the same for kevin kevin can you know yes and, you know people we people we, we, we know things because i mean we 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 learn them and and we check them you know it, i mean it, it's not enough to have one guy telling you the story of the recording of golden years you know if you want to know about the story of the recording of golden years it's great to have carlos you know but if you can have george murray it's great too you know when i found i know that george murray did talk at some convention last year or something like that but when i met him when i found him in 2016 he never talked to anybody before and he told me so he said well i'm so glad you asked me questions because nobody ever asked me so it was it was a, i wanted to have obviously the big shots because they are needed in such a book you know but i wanted also to have the not the small people because to, to me there's no small people because somebody who's like the second engineer or the second assist, assistant on a recording actually the guy is there from nine in the in the in the, in the morning to nine in the evening you know and uh so he so he knows everything, you know. So 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 he he so he he saw a lot, you know, and he has a lot to say about the the, the way David was working or whatever, you know. And uh, so so that's what I wanted to capture. It's it's what 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 really happened in in terms of a. I think I find it quite funny that, uh, for instance, it's it's a good example. I think and and Mike knows about it, but on on Diamond Dogs. When Mike recorded his, par his parts, you know, uh, David kept all the pianos, obviously, but he did play some synthesizers, you know. And actually, when Dave when Mike left, David replaced the synthesizers because he wanted to twiddle knobs and he wanted to to have a go himself, you know. And uh, this can be only said by somebody who was there and who saw, who saw it, you know. So tracking down the, the the engineer or the second assistant or the assistant on a recording is always useful, you know. Yes, and, absolutely. So, and that's, I, I, that's what I wanted to capture. Yes, well, you know, because I, I sort of, I've been, I've been finding it fascinating because obviously you got Robin Mayhew and that's a fascinating story. And, you know, because he he was the one who got tapped on the shoulder by Angie to say, I love your sound. You know, could you help us with yeah, our sound yeah. because our live. But also you also get people who I know David was influenced by, um, but people like from Comus, Glenn Gorin. How did you, how did you, how did you sort of know that? 
that part well, because uh, I, I think commerce is, is mentioned in Kevin's book, you know. So uh, I, I wanted for the space oddity chapter, which is one of my favorites, actually, because everybody was talking about the arts lab, you know. So we we've all seen a few photos of the of the arts lab, David with curly hair, you know, whatever, you know. And I thought it would it would be interesting to actually ask people who played the arts lab, you know, to tell us how how it was, you know. And I find it quite strange, actually that nobody had this idea before and, and so so i kind of have a list that i made you know of people who did play the arts arts lab and and, and i i tried to to reach them you know and happen to discover it, it's one of the things that i discovered in the book and and old bowie bowie's friends are, are david's friend uh, agree with me that david used to like progressive rock a lot yes Obviously, he, he, was, he was at the first showcase of, of King Emerson. But, I mean, he, he used to like these bands, you know, and uh, he used to like the strobes or whatever, you know. And uh, for him, it was like an honor to, to have them play. And, and the people from Comis are great because you talk to one and, and, and then the guy says, well, maybe you could talk to somebody else you know, from the band, you know. So I happen to have three members of Comis, I think, in, in, in the book, you know. And it's great because, because they tell different things, you know. You were actually mentioning Robin, but Robin Mayu, he's, he's got his book out that I, that, I, that I have. But what he says in Rainbow Man is not in the book, so it's it's kind of same for John Hutchinson, you know. Yes. Uh, and did and did he send you a a CD from the the? Yeah, of course the... he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bought it actually because I, I I knew that he wouldn't mind if I if I and, and, I, the, t- and the little ticket he had inside yeah, it. I, as well. Yeah. It's, it was totally pirate. I mean, it's totally not allowed to do that. But I mean, for some reason, it was even, I mean, the estate would let, let him do that. But I mean, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I tried to, to have a to have a different perspective. And I think it was great to have these people who actually played yes. the arts lab to tell to tell us how David was, you know. And, and the uh, other and the other character, because also I, I managed to track him down. The and, and, you know, because when I was growing up, my, I had an older brother who was into prog rock and we like, you know, Yes, Genesis. But then, you know, this character called Biddy Ritchie, who was in Clouds or One, Two, Three, and um, and you managed yeah. to track him down, and that's the kind of the beginning, really, of prog rock. And then yeah. he he has a great story because David's sort of hanging out with him, and then he has yeah, his moment were, where so, yeah, there was that thing that Mojo that uh, no, I, actually uh, he, he's kind of uh, he, he was great, you know. Uh, it it was um, to be honest, and because. Uh, I, I don't mind being honest. <laughs> uh, it was only he wrote to me. You know, I, I some I think I I did talk to eight eighty percent. You know, and some people only only wrote. You know, and uh, so so I think Billy uh, only wrote. But I mean, um, <clears throat> he wanted to set the record straight about the fact that David was a fan of him. You know, yeah. a, a bit like Phil May actually is is the same. I mean. One of my favorite interviews in the book is Phil May's interview when he said that David David was house talker, you know, because he, he was like trying to understand everything. So 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 he he, he was like spending hours uh, harassing the pretty things to understand why they would use that pedal and not this pedal that he had seen at some other gig by some, with some other band. You know, who, who could imagine that David Bowie was taking that much care about guitar pedals you know and uh, so so, so you know it's a it's a 
it, it's like a, the, the the palette of a painter, you know. So you got many colors that uh, you you. I think Hermione says uh, in what she wrote about the book that um, we we have a portrait which is kind of which is very different to the portrait that everybody has. The classic portrait that every David uh, everybody has of David Bowie, you know. But because it, it's it's the people who were there. It's 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 not coming from me. It's coming from from them, you know. Yes. Well, it well, it was kind of interesting because I mean, you know, that period which I've often found quite curious because because the work that he was doing in the sixties, if it wasn't for the work that he did after that, would have just all been put in a forgotten cupboard somewhere. But there was yeah. things that he was trying to do, and and a couple of weeks ago I did an interview with a woman who. Um, Jill, well, she calls herself Jill Smith, but she was married to Bruce Lacey for a while. And Bruce okay. used to do these kind of performance arts things. And, you know, and apparently David, you know, was aware of it and went to a couple of these kind of performance arts stuff in the sort of um, the late 60s. And again, you know, I found that curious, a bit like the coma stuff or Billy Ritchie and, and you know, what and, and, you know, and all those kind of people that he was kind of trying to work out, how do you navigate to the next bit where, you know, I'm going to become, you know, the 70s David Bowie, which is, you know, that that's a huge step. Do you do you sort of think, how did you go from that, which was not going anywhere fast to suddenly, wow, the stars have lined up and now things are working? They, I think they simply did, you know, and it happens in, in an artist's life, you know. And obviously there was a big push from people around him and 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 Angie, Angie too. So you, you might ask me why Angie is not in the book, you know? So Angie is not in the book for the same reason that Ava is not in the book, or that obviously Iman is not in the book. Iman is not in the book because she didn't make music with David Bowie, you know. But no, but this is the seven, this is the 60s and 70s. Who was the second person you mentioned? You mentioned Angie and then Ava Sherry. Oh, Ava Cherry. Ava Cherry. Yeah, sorry for my pronunciation. You know. Yeah, sorry, Ava. So, 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 so. To be honest, I did contact her, and uh, and uh, but she told me she was working on some project of her own. You know, and anyway, I wanted to stick to the music, and obviously, she did sing with David. You know, she 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 could have been in the book. You know, but also she had that relation with David, and it was not a secret. You know, and I didn't want to, as I didn't want to insist on. Those things, even though I'm pretty sure that if if she had talked to me, probably she would have only talked about music. Or, or, I guess you know, but but I mean, I I I did talk with Dana Gillespie about because because Dana she she was crucial in a way that she saw David at the marquee, you know. Yeah. And uh, so so the the same way I actually found somebody who saw David in Paris. When he when he played with the Lower Third, you know, and 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 it was a miracle that I found somebody who actually saw David in the Lower Third in Paris, you know. So he could say he didn't say a lot, but I mean, the, what what he says is great. He, he, I think he says something like, uh, I think he was just a Mick Jagger imitator or, or, or whatever. So 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 I think uh, I think uh, it's it's really interesting. So 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 it it. it I did try to avoid when I knew there was relationships involved, you know. So you can ask me why Hermione is so important. And act actually, she's even more important in volume two because she did write an essay, which is like totally beyond belief, you know, about the years where she didn't, she, 
actually she wrote an essay about roughly what she, what she thinks of David Bowie between <laughs> um, when she left him and when she saw him back on on the reality tour. You know, who was that, so, by the way? Who was that? Hermione Fardingale. Oh yes, Hermione. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, I've got you. She's the with Tony and Reeves and, and maybe Mark Blatty. She's the she 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 has been of a and my gosh, she has been of of a major help. You know. But I mean, also much to my surprise, because as you know, she she never talked to, to anybody. She came to the lounge, at, and of Rainbow Man, and she she insisted on 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 coming. And and I said, "Are you sure?" You know. And uh, so 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 she talked in public about about David for the first time in her life. You know, because she did talk in the to them in the documentary a bit. You know, but she yeah. was not really happy because she she. All, all that was kept when when she read uh, David's uh, Valentine letter, you know. And, and uh, but the reason why Hermione is in the first volume is because I consider, and I'm not the only one, of course, like uh, feathers and and turquoise. Turquoise was like a for feathers probably was like a pre 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 um, let's say multi artistic project, you know, which was basically what David did. The rest of his life afterwards, which which was mixing music and visuals, you know, and performances, you know, and so feathers was like a, a Jurassic version uh, of what happened next. Even if it if they are they hardly played three gigs uh, in front of fifty people every time, you know. Yes. But, but still, the seed of feathers is is in the rest of David Bowie's career. Well, yeah, and also there was a lovely recording. I don't know if it was with Feathers or with just with um, Hutchinson, where he's doing that rough recording. They cover a song. Is it Leslie Dolphin? Yeah, um, Leslie Duncan. Duncan, that's it. Yeah. And I think that's so fascinating because, again, it's like you have to hit pause and go, right, who's Leslie Duncan? I must go and listen to Leslie Duncan now. You know, it's like, you know, wondering where he gets his influences yeah. from. And I it's like... That. Didn't see that one coming. Right, must go and find that. Yeah, that's that's also the reason why I hope you like this. That, that at some point, there are two things in the first volume that are very important to me. It's that I did talk to somebody who opened for David. You know, so, some people who opened for David, who played before Ziggy Stardust. You know, like uh, like um, uh, Lloyd Watson. You know, for instance, who passed away actually there. Uh, as you may have seen on the first page of Rainbow Man, it is dedicated to all the people that I talked to who passed away since then. You know, yes, like Jeff Beck and Mick Rock, obviously, we, we gave gave us the photos. You know, but I mean, it was really important to me to talk to to people who actually played uh, um, at the beginning of of David Bowie's show. You know, and and because they they knew his attitude. What, did did he listen to the show? Did he care about them? You know, and uh, and 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 actually, uh, we, you you learn a lot from them, and also from the 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 what I call the the European the European trilogy. Sorry, I don't say Berlin because I I think it's not a Berlin trilogy, so I call it the European trilogy. Actually, he, he was calling it the, the European trilogy himself. But the thing is, just because he loved so much all that music from Germany, I thought it was a good idea to go and see these people like the guy from Faust and asking him 
did you know that David Bowie loved your music? And, and he said, well, we didn't know at the time. We know now. But I mean, we're so much into our own world, you know. So I, 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 I would have liked to talk to Kraftwerk, you know. But actually, he was pretty much, he was, David was more influenced by other people and by Ken. And, uh, but I did manage to talk to, to all these guys, you know, and, and also to try and correct things when it, when it, when it was possible, you know. And uh, because that's always been very important to me to 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 correct things you know i there's probably a few mistakes that i made myself you know <laughs> but 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 i try to correct you know like like many people considering that heroes is the only david bowie album which has been recorded from start to finish in berlin you know everybody says that you know of course not just because it's it's been mixed in switzerland and it's actually written on the cover <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Yes, funny. It's, it's funny what one thing you said just a, quite a bit earlier about people and their stories, because because I you know because I've been fascinated reading through and um, but there was one that you had with Ian Anderson, which I did an interview with Ian years ago, and he told that story about David and Steel Eye Span and getting the saxophonist and the teeth and the money, and I was like, Jesus. And, and I sort of, and I thought that's amazing. Some people, well, obviously, he, well, he, he was wonderful. I mean, you, I mean, he, he was wonderful. I mean, so many people. I mean, Steve Harley, uh, so many people. I mean, everybody was happy to talk about him, and everybody was happy to talk about him to somebody who was also a musician. To be honest, because actually, they, 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 they I mean, I, I mean, Ian, I told him I got, I've got all the boxes of of Gitrotel, you know, and he said, "Is it true?" And I said, "Yes." Can you show me? Can can you show them to me? And I said, of course, they are in my, you know. So I went there and I and I grabbed. It. To be honest, I've got them because I worked for EMI for quite a long time, you know. <laughs> and so the back of the Jitrotel back catalog. So, but I've got three versions of Aqualung and everything. So he saw it. He said, okay, you're 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 a true fan, you know. So, but I mean, he was great because I mean, obviously that anecdote of a, of of a, of David saying after all all this time, he said. I never charge you for what I for the saxophone part. Well, is it is it too late to send you a bill? <laughs> you know. Yes, I know. It was he just talks about was... The, he talks about the wonky teeth. You know, the wonky teeth. His his so great. You know. Yes. I mean, so many. Jan Hunter, he, he, he was fantastic. I mean, Jan is, a, is somebody I talk to every couple of years. Every time he makes a record, I think I interviewed Jan Hunter 25 times. I mean, we, 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 we're not friends, but we know each other very well. Yeah, and there were, there were sort of really lovely connections that you wouldn't have thought, you know, like Keith Christmas is also a character yeah, that... That I kind of interviewed for Keith Christmas, and then halfway, you know, then there was a moment where he's like, "Oh my God, you got a David Bowie story? Just okay, tell me your David Bowie story." And it, you know, again, that was just brilliant. That um, you know, there was that it moment. It was great because you know it was such a jigsaw, you know, that that some uh, you mentioning Keith, and actually Keith is referring to a studio, and with with Tony, because Tony helped me a lot, and. Actually, he was supposed to record. I mean, he must have recorded it in. in uh, he must have recorded it in, in Trident, you know. But he describes the studio, and it's not Trident. The studio he describes, and then Tony says, "You know what? Maybe there's a few sessions that were not recorded in Trident of Space Oddity, you know." And, and that's something we can learn only because Keith remembers something else, you know. 
And 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 I, I told him, you shouldn't try that. No, no, try that. I know very well. No, no, no. We were in some other place, you know. So maybe it was Advision. We're, we're not even sure, you know. But I quite like the fact that these people, they bring some some truth to the to 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 the plate, if I may say, you know. And uh, I, I think I think it's really it's really important, you know. It's like that guy Twink, you know, who, who actually you know, everybody says. I mean, that Ziggy, I mean, Vince Taylor was a was an ingredient of of Ziggy Stardust, you know. But I mean, I had never met somebody who actually took David to Vince Taylor. Taylor's place and tells us and tells us about about it even even if it's a, a few lines you know, but I mean, yes, yeah, I know. Well, I got, uh, it's I'm crazy, sure you. It's a crazy I'm, work. It is, but it, I guess you might have come across that guy called Prince Stash that's just started to appear on sort of Instagram or TikTok who who's you know um, lives in that Italian castle. Have you come across him? He had a friendship with Prince. He calls himself Prince Stash. No, was, no. Oh, I'll, 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 um, I'll, um, I'll post you. I'll, I'll put a okay. link. You okay. know, Prince Dash. You'll, when you come across him, you'll. But he had a lot to do with Brian Jones, the Rolling Stones, um, and then Vince Taylor. He was in Prince. Uh, he was in the the Vince Taylor band, the Playboys, that supported. Okay. You know, and then he no, met. No, 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 no. no. I, I had some strange. Because in the process, I mean, it it took the, the, both volumes took me five years right yes of doing mostly this you know to be honest you know and uh, and uh, but the way the way it, it was is, is that for two years i was asking people to talk to me and for the two years after that they all some people i never talked to came to me because they knew somebody would talk to me and they say something like is the book finished because I am X, and I would like to tell you my story. And in the second volume, you, yeah, there's a there's a great anecdote because I talked to somebody of the the brass section of the Serious Moonlight Tour, and I talked to one, and I thought, well, it was great. I've got one guy from the sax from the brass section. That's great, you know. And then I would finish my chapter, you know, and I and then I receive an email, you know, hey. Um, whoever, I was the second guy in in the in the brass section. I understand that you took to the sax player, whoever. I what I was a trumpet player. Can I talk to you? Is it too late? Well, I said no. And eventually, I've got the whole section now. You know, in, in, <laughs> in the book, because they came to me. You know, because they knew that I was doing that. You know, there's this crazy French musician writer who's doing that thing. I mean, he allows us to talk. You know, we never, you know, we never, you know, because so I checked, I, I, you know, I, I did something very simple. I, I, I checked the jackets, you know, and, and the covers, you know, and corrected things, you know. There's actually big mistakes in the in the official credits on on David Bowie records, you know. I mention them every time I can, you know, and. Uh, and eventually tracking these people down was really funny. You know that Eugene Chaplin, the son, the son of Charlie Chaplin, actually was an assistant on Heroes, you know. And when I knew that, I said to myself, well, I've got to have him. You know, he, I'm pretty sure he has nice things to say. And, uh, and I saw a documentary about Charlie Chaplin on French TV. Uh, I, I called the, the, the director of the, of, the, of, the, of the documentary and I had his contact and he was really happy to talk to me. So I had Eugene Chaplin in, uh, in, in, the, on the, in the Heroes chapter. 
Yes, I, I noticed that. The the kind of the influence of the whole Andy Warhol world, you know, people like Tony Sonetta and and Jane Wayne County, did did that sort of come onto your radar much? So there, there, there was an issue about this. Is the fact that roughly when I started Rainbow Man, it's when Tony DeFries is starting to do with a podcast thing, you know, and um, just be, just my situation being that I didn't want to talk about uh, private things, you know, I didn't want to talk about money either, and I no. didn't want to take to take management to talk about management much, you know. Why? It's because actually, if you if you choose to not talk about all this, you know, you say, okay, I don't know much. I'm not going to talk about it. But but some people talk about it, but they don't know much, you know. So I, I can't see the point, you know. Nobody nobody knows the figures. Nobody has seen the contract except the people who were there, you know. And obviously, I guess all the main man people knew, you know. But I mean, I. I, I write in, in Rainbow Man, uh, as every good Bowie writer should, that the freeze was crucial to David's success, you know, So and so was Angie, you know, and I'm pretty sure that Tony Zanetta and all these people did their best, you know, and uh, and uh, and they did succeed, you know, in making in making him a star, whatever the cost, you know, but I mean, they, they did succeed, you know. So I didn't ask them because they were purely management, you know, and they were purely on the business side of things, yeah. you know. But I, but I obviously I have a real pleasure listening to to the podcast of of, of Tony the Freeze, and uh, even though maybe not everything is true, but I mean I don't mind really because I'm, the guy was there anyway, you know. And uh, but it was not my angle. If I, you know, I've got this great book about a Beatles called, called uh, "You Never Give Me Your Money." I think it's Mark Pretress who wrote, wrote this book, you know, and it's only a book about the money issues of the Beatles, you know, and he did a, a fantastic job. I hope it's Mark. If it's another journalist, I'm sorry, but I mean, that's not the kind of book I, I, I would make. And David, yeah, there is some so so little thing that have actually transpired that you can only guess. You know, I mean, maybe the contract with EMI for Let's Dance is the only figure that is that seventeen million dollars. You know, in advance, or is it recoupable or not? We don't know. You know, so. No. so so there was no point really in talking about that and and there was no point in talking to managers you know i didn't talk to any lawyer i didn't talk to and, and so the main man team except that they were they were like uh, glorious in in their way and and, uh, and obviously i like i've got i've got all the books you know uh, that they, that these people kind of kind of wrote you know but and and i and some are really good you know but but I you know I, I'd rather talk to the second engineer or to, <laughs> to yeah or that, just that, I, I suppose with Tony Zanetta you know and Pork and that kind of gang they they just had a kind of interesting angle that I think David and Angie were quite and possibly Dana Gillespie were quite curious about weren't they that New York scene that was a bit yeah. outrageous and I just wondered if if well they... no I didn't talk to them but I mean I I I try to 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 write the best as i could about 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 this you know and and i and i do insist on the fact that that angie and all these people were were, were really important there's no there's no denying from me uh, regarding them you know and and uh, 
nothing bad you know but 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 it's true that i did that i didn't do that you know uh, and uh, i i didn't feel and 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 then also because i mean tony was telling everything on on on, on the internet yeah. so Tony the Free. So, so if I had approached him saying, "Do you want to talk to me?" He would have said, "Well, listen to what I say." You know, uh, you know. I used a few bits of books in Rainbow Man uh, at the request of people. When I approached Je Jeff McCormack, for instance, I, I know that Jeff doesn't like to talk to to doesn't give much interviews, but he said very nicely, "Well." You've got my books. If there are a few a few paragraphs you can take, take them. You know, so because basically what I have to say is there. So so I did. You know, and uh, and uh, and I also did it with uh, with Tony with Tony's book because I mean rather than asking him to tell him things that he told me a thousand times that are actually in his book, he said, well, if you want to take a few paragraphs, take take a few paragraphs. You know, and yes. whenever I did it, I always mentioned it. You know. And and it, it it made even more se more sense for the French version because when, as I translated Tony's book, you know, there's actually a few there's actually a few things corrected in, in what Tony says in the French book, you know. Yeah, and I, I it's interesting your thing about translation because I remember hearing an interview with Reeves, and um, he was really I think frustrated and annoyed about a book that I think it was Dylan Jones brought out about David Bowie, and I think they. David mis misquoted well, a lot of his I stuff. I can tell you, it was he's, he's more than pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I was to be dip I was to be diplomatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. And I, actually, when when the we we send the first volume, we send the second volume to Reeves. His wife went back to me and said, and she she can translate from French to English. And and she said, uh, uh, Jerome, I'm reading you. I'm translating to Reeves the the French book, uh, and he, he's listening to it, and he and he tells me that he he thinks he's listening he's listening to him. You know, so it was the the, the best compliment I had. I mean, the, one of the reasons why um, the, the the English um, book came. Uh, kind of late you know it, it was announced a year before is because i was not happy with the translation i, I have to be honest and, and and we worked a lot on it and that's when clifford clifford slapper and and, and entered the game you know and clifford is he, a musician and he talks great french you know so so he, he worked a lot on the translation to make to make it work better you know Yes, absolutely. And um, so, you, so you've got volume one. When is volume two coming out? To be honest, my, my answer is very diplomatic and is very sincere. I mean, the existence of volume two in English depends on the success of, of volume one. You know, that's, that's exactly it, you know. So, so far, things are look good. You know, but you, but you know there are many music books and uh, and uh, and there are many Bowie books, and I I, I sense I have the feeling that uh, most Bowie fans or most uh, people who like David's music understood my work. I, I mean I mean I've, I've got messages. All day long from people who really appreciate what I've been what I've been doing, you know, but 
but the, the the book is not cheap, you know, and there are cheaper books, you know, and uh, and I quite understand that you can buy cheaper books, and uh, so so I don't know, but but whenever the decision will be made, uh, I'll be the first one to. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. That, yeah, that on my be own. Good. I think it. I, I mean, there's not a review uh, where people are not saying uh, we look forward to volume two, you know, and uh, and and. I shouldn't say it, but I, I think I actually that volume two is a, is is a better book, you know. Right. Well, well, well yeah, absolutely. Well, no, this is. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I think this is amazing. I mean, two actually, there's two, just two bits, just to you know, finish. There was a lovely. I, I was I was pleased to see Fast Eddie from Motorhead, who was you know a like a nice little paragraph there from Fast because I you know love it. Um, I love Fast Eddie. And also, interestingly, Lemmy was born the same year as David Bowie. And whenever uh -huh. those two were ever asked about their musical influences, they both said Little Richard and then all the others. It was a great memory. It's something I, I found in, in, in a notebook that I had at the time, because obviously I, I think it, it refers back to a concert in the late 70s in, in Le Havre, Motorhead playing Le Havre in the late 70s. And obviously I was not a journalist, you know, but I remember we played pinball with him you know and uh and uh we were we were just kids you know and uh and lemmy was having a jack daniels uh, at the venue but 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 uh but um the guitar player did come to the bar where we uh, we were all waiting for the gig to start and he played pinball and we were like my friend and i we were close to him and at some point i had a david bowie t-shirt and he says <clears throat> he says you're a david bowie fan and I said, well, yeah. He said, best gig of my life. And I said, what do you mean? Well, I was at the farewell gig, you know, at you know, at the Amherst Odeon, you know. And uh, and I was so not not shocked because obviously all but, but for us in, in the late 70s, the the, the Amherst Odeon gig was like a, a I don't know, a fantasy, a dream, you know, or whatever. And and to be actually <laughs> close to a guy who were, were there, you know, it was really impressive. And and I had a little a little notepad or whatever you call it, you know, where I used to write bits of ideas for songs or whatever, you know, or names of or, of of girls that never looked at me or whatever. And uh, and, and, and I re and I remember I wrote it where. Steady, he, he likes David Bowie and he likes Micronson and whatever, you know. So so I, I made a little I made a little construct of what he said at the time because I didn't record it, you know, it would be lying, a lie. And and because I had so much respect for the guy, it it was for me a, a nice way to have him in the book. Because he did talk to me about David Bowie, and it's only four or five lines, you know. I yes. would I would I wouldn't write a paragraph about a, a, a tiny memory, you know. But I mean, it was also a way to pay tribute to to this guy. It's like Roger Glover, for instance, who, from Deep Purple, who, who actually saw David when David plays, I don't know, the Isle of Wight for the first time, you know, like in the, in the 60s with one of his bands, you know. And he said, well, I remember it was quite good. Anyway, it was better than the Rolling Stones. You know, so <laughs> I just put it because it's because it's funny. If somebody wants an, uh, uh, a complete study of David's music from Roger Glover, it's not the book. But I mean, I no, think it, no, it's it, it's good. I mean, I suppose there's also that quite famous picture of Sid Vicious when he was very young, when he's got yeah, that Bowie haircut and, yeah, and the t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, but then you'd have you know. I, I like these. I, I love these few things. When, when Lenny Kravitz, for instance, I think in the first volume, Lenny Lenny says something like. 
you know, people don't remember, but David is also a great lyricist. And I think it's really important because many people so see Lenny as a, I don't know, as a as a new reborn Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin kind of guy, you know. And actually he was talking about the Beauty Brothers, you know. So so that's why I I I put it, it's not it's it's not that important, but to me it's very important. Yes. And do you I mean, do you sometimes have moments where you think, oh God, if only I was thinking of Dennis Davis, actually, you know, like people like yeah, him missing missing moments of getting an interview with Dennis. You know, do of you... course, it would, have, it, would, it would have been great to be honest. Because that they're... drum that drum sound that he has on those albums is like nothing else, is there? Yeah, he, 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 he was like a. I think Tony Visconti talks the, the best about him, you know, and Tony is always saying very beautiful things about him but he was he was an amazing an amazing drummer look back in anger suffice to listen to this you know it's a it's a it's crazy but but you know i would see uh so so of course i mean i was lucky enough to have to have all the spiders from mars because i did speak to him at some at some at some point uh to, to them sorry at some Point all of them, you know. Even Trevor was was kind of a, a nasty about, about the whole thing, you know. I mean, um, but but anyway, he was such a great bass player, you know. And I, I remember talking to him after, after a gig with Araya Heap, you know. So so it was it, it it was a bit afterwards. But I also had a policy is that when I ask somebody, I could ask once, twice, and if it turns me down, I never insisted. So the big absent of the book. Is Brian Eno? Brian I was one. I did wonder the Brian Eno because obviously, you know? yes, he's um yeah. Yeah, but you you can you you you, you, you once he knew that I was working on a Bowie book, it was closed doors, you know. And eventually, it's it's a bit of a regret because I have so much respect for 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 the man, you know. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm sorry. I know you you have to be we have to be quick, but I listen to two albums every day. Every morning I listen to Carol King. Uh, every afternoon I listen to Brian Eno. That's the only music I can listen to and work with, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Roxy, Brian Eno, huge musician, you know. But for some reason he turned me down once, twice, and 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 we have people in common, you know. So so he knew about the thing, you know. I've been told he was working on something, you know. So I didn't insist, you know. But I would have loved to have him, you know. And then the other absent is Rick Wakeman. Because I think that Rick took me, so it was a joke, you know. And and actually, I'm sure he's a great guy, you know. But his assistant was always very hard with me, you know. I had a contact with the website, you know. And then he said something like, well, he's working on an album, he can't talk to you. Then he's pre- he, he's working on a next tour with Yes, you know. So so whatever. I try I try to track him you know, because I, just because I was trying to, uh, to have as many people as possible, you know. And is yeah. is a major part of, of, uh, of uh, Ankidori, you know. So I would have loved to have him, you know. But I mean, I I didn't insist that much. And if somebody would take me for some, uh, I don't know, I, I can imagine the the the, the reaction. What's a French bloke wants to interview me? You know, I mean, I mean, French music is crap. So I guess French music journalists are, 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 are stupid or whatever. You know. So I didn't insist. But I mean, it's a part. Of, but then 
I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm so happy to have Phil May, you know, and, uh, and, and that's it, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I think I think the thing the, the one thing about the the Rick and possibly Brian is that their story has been told whereas you know people like Robin Mayhew is like gold dust isn't it because you think god that's a story that isn't that well known and you you know you got it and then he's passed away and I think I think those moments are like few actually I know I know from the other people around uh, I mean, as you as you may have re- noticed, the the low chapter is the biggest one. You know, I I I, t- I talk on that chapter. I really talk to people who never talked before. You know, who knew that the daughter of French singer Claude Nougaro was actually spending the summer at the Chateau de Rouville during during that summer. You know, and 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 she had things to say because she she saw them. You know, so I talked to many people who were actually working at the at the chateau who can tell things. You know, but but obviously uh, it's the same. I, I have Mary Hopkin, even though it's a, a small paragraph. But but I have Mary because because Jessica, uh, her daughter, uh, she she knew exactly what I was doing, and she said, "Well, you know, my mother she doesn't give interviews," and but I mean. It would be great that you that she's there because I mean she actually sings on on, on sound and vision, you know. So my, my my point was if I if I if I can have all these people, you know, I don't have to insist to have everybody. It was not a matter of having everybody. It was a matter of having people who are interesting, you know, and that would interest the readers, you know, and uh, and and that's what I sense uh, from the reaction of readers so far. Yes, well, absolutely. And just, okay, last thing. Do you then, because I spoke to that other guy who did the Bowie, you know, all the recordings he's ever done, which is the book behind me, which I can't remember. Um, The complete complete day, oh, Nicholas Pegg. Oh yeah, yeah. So I I did an interview with him and I said, you know, do you you know? He said, yeah, I send the estate a copy, but I never hear. Do you also send the copy to you know Coco and? The... I, I I I to be honest, I have a very beautiful relationship with the estate. You know, from from nineteen ninety one. You know, we are still in touch. I, I had an exchange with the. Estate last week regarding something that's coming for next year. I guess you, you, everybody will know soon. Uh, it's got something to do with France. It's got something to do with me. But obviously, I don't say anything because that's the way they are and that's the way they work. So um, it happens that yeah, we did send probably like uh, ten copies of each. French volumes to the estates every time they were published. We we send ten copies of a or five copies of the box set because in France, as you may know, there is a huge box. You know, yes, coming from uh, things from John, Jonathan Barnbrook did a fantastic job. You know, on this and uh, and they they knew about what I was doing from day one, but because as a journalist, they always asked me. Uh, when David was on the cover of Rock and Folk, I would always send a few copies to New York, and and they would tell me there was one at David's place, one one is at Isolar, one is for whatever you know. So I've had that relation, and I and and I'm not gonna get into this, but I do have a comeback and a reaction a reaction from from the people there, and and from Coco. 
That's fantastic. Brilliant. That is good. That must be lovely to uh, get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the estate Coco and someone else, or is it mostly Coco? I'm not going to talk about this at all. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> that's fine. Because, uh, because uh, for, for, first, I don't know much. No, to be to be honest, the, the 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 person I was talking to when David was alive is also the is still the same. You know. There was a funny thing. I can tell you this because it's funny. Um, sometimes I would talk to this person when, for instance, uh, we, we we used to ask something for the magazine when it was the forty years forty uh, years birthday of rock and folk. My editor says, Jerome, you know David Bowie. Ask, ask David Bowie to to write a few lines for Rock and Folk because he's been on the cover so many times. He'd be happy to write a few lines for Rock and Folk. He said, Well, well, it's not exactly the way it goes, you know. But I mean. He was my editor at the time, and he says, well, I insist, ask him. So I would send an email to the person at his alarm, you know, at the office in New York. And David would answer directly to me from his own email address. But rather than thanking him through his own email address, I would thank again through the, the, through the person I... I, 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 I I exchanged email in the first place. And that's always, and one day I said, maybe it's stupid to do so. And he said, oh, it's okay. Let's do like that. You know, so actually I never sent an email to David Bobby because I never used the address, you know, yes. because I wanted to respect this, you know, and, 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 and of course it would have been, I think the, the only time I ever did is uh, there was an album of a French band. They wanted to listen. It was a band called Air, you know, that French band. Oh yeah. Yeah. That David used to like and. Uh, I'm very good friend with uh, with Nicolas Godin, the bass player, and and one night I receive an email from directly from David, you know, and he says, Jerome, I suspect that as a journalist you must have a pre CD of the next album, and I said I do. Would you mind sending me uh, MP3s or whatever? And I did that, and, and that's is that the only time we actually because i mean i, I wouldn't go because it was uh, it was kind of it was like a, a early notice it was quite complicated to I, I couldn't send the whole album you know so we 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 had a you know we had a, a, a modem you know who was making some noise you know and it was and it was really slow and uh, and uh, and whatever so and, and after half an hour or three quarters of an hour he got the whole album and he said thank you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, uh, yes so, so no so there's a actually the team the 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 close team who's working in new york is is the same team that when he was alive you know yes fascinating fascinating right you know but 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 i always did official things through them you know yes and uh, and when i'm asked uh, can you ask uh, whatever even for a movie or for a song some people say uh We'd like to have a song, a David Bowie song in 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 the movie. Can you help? And they no, I can't. I can't. You know, but I asked the record company, and it's something I I never I never. I mean, I don't I don't abuse with that. You know. Yes, absolutely. Good. I think it's a matter of respect. I mean, they, I respect the way they are, the way they work, and I think they are, now I know they understand. They understand exactly what I've what I, what, I, what I've done. So yes, I'm quite happy with that. You know. Good. Well, Tony says David would have loved the book, so it's. I think it's the best compliment ever, and I'm pretty sure he, he would have because I mean it's it's music, you know, and uh, and that he, that's why he, that's why he loved the most. 
Absolutely, no, absolutely. Well, look, what a, naff, what, what a naff thing to say that David Bowie used to like music the most, but it's so bloody true. <laughs> well, yes. Well, I, I do remember just just lastly, there was a brilliant interview he did in the seventies with Mavis Nicholson, where he's in that red jacket and he's talking and you know he's got a fag, but he looks amazing and and he said he couldn't fall in love because that would take away from focusing on music. You know that he couldn't give that much of himself to relationships, yeah. which obviously changes. And uh, after ninety two and ninety three, but yeah, it was kind yeah. of interesting that focus. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. I mean, he he was he was a, I mean, the, it was the 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 art before everything else, you know, art, art first, you know, and uh, and and it was true to to I think to the very end because it because okay, I'm sick, I'm ill, but I want to do that bloody record, you know, and I'm and I'm going to do it that way, you know, and uh, it was it was music to the end, it was art to the end, and it was receiving from the others till till the end which which to me is it's that's the biggest mystery of, of david bowie you know i mean he could have all the of the most famous musicians on the planet and finally he decides to record with four unknown guys young guys that that he saw in the club because tony saw them in the club and he he, he, he brought him watch them you know and he says okay I'm, we're going to do the album with them. I mean, who could act like this? You know, I know. Nobody, you know, it's 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 crazy. It's you like know. when he was working with a musician, he would never say do this or do that. You know, when a musician was telling him, "So, what do you want me to do?" He says, "You know what you have to do, because if you don't know, I don't see why I hire you. You know, I hire you to be you. So, show me what what do you want to do? You know, that, that's that's mad. You know, that's Yes, but genius. Quite, at the same a, quite an exception at so many levels. I know, brilliant. Well, look, thank you ever so much. And yes, like, Sorry, thank you for I, this. I guess I did talk too much, you know. No, no, it's fascinating. Uh, and uh, it's always... you, have to, you have to edit, and, and my English is not that good, you know. I've got oh. a, uh, don't say, don't keep this for the interview, but I, I, actually, today my mother and entered a retirement house. You know, and uh, and I'm under the shock because I mean she went to the hospital a couple of days ago and uh, and she won't be back to a place. You know, and uh, and uh, all 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 these day has been crying everything with my family because uh, she's ill. You know, so but anyway, that's life. And uh, and at the end of a, of of such a crap day, I'm lucky enough to talk to you. So uh, it's a, it's also a pleasure. You know. So are you ba- are you based in London? Yeah. I'm based in Norwich, so this is this is the place that David once in 1973, you know, played two two gigs on the same night in Norwich at the Theatre okay. Royal. So, uh, okay. yeah, so uh, it's it's quite, um, yeah. It, but yes, I do. You know, David's always been such a presence, so um, it's quite weird and beautiful at the same time. So, uh, so if we if we ever do a lounge of a of a of of volume two, please come. You know, I'll let you know and. Uh, and we did, we did something kind of pri- private uh, last time because I, just because to be honest, Hermione was there and, and, I, and I was a bit scared and the press would. Uh, but actually, I invited uh, Nicholas Pegg, I invited him, I, I invited uh, all, all the great writers uh, of David, and, and they wouldn't they couldn't come because they all had some issues or whatever. But I mean, they were all happy that I that I invited them because I think we. are we at least, you know, Chris O'Leary, you know, we did, we did, there's a, 
at least five, seven very good writers of Davis, you know, and uh, and I hate it when people say that this book is better than this one or whatever. I think uh, it's we we are it's a wall and we we kind of add a brick to it, you know. And uh, there's no better book than you know Kevin's book is great, you know, and and Tony's book is great, but because they had an they have an angle, you know. So obviously Nicolas Pegg is is so complete, you know. Yes, but 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 that's not something that um that, that um. That wanted to do, and also uh, it's also kind of private what I'm going to say now, or not private, but I mean it was important for me that the people who talk in my book did talk to me. You know, I didn't steal anything from other interviews, from other books, and I've suffered enough to have my interviews taken from rock and folk and translated, and I can find them in English books, and my name is not even mentioned or not even the name of my magazine, which I find a bit you know so i wouldn't do that myself <laughs> no that's that's not good that's very mm, yes but i've actually just on that last I, i've i've really started enjoying simon goddard's book where he's gone through each year from 71 72 yeah i haven't 70. seen them yet but i mean yeah i'm pretty sure it's good you know yeah 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 yeah. i just you know i mean it's always i mean it's always those little extra bits i mean of course I, of course, and, and yeah. I've, I've I've enjoyed. I did enjoy listening to Wendy talking about the Sombrero Club and her and Freddie yeah, Mac, yeah, yeah, Freddie yeah. Baretti. And yeah. I just, you know, again, that was just a little another little story. They thought, of course, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You know. a, as I'm saying, it's like a palette. You know, it's like a painter. You know, I mean, you don't know where to start. You know, and uh, and you know, it's like the Beatles to me. You know, you know, it's like when people ask me if I still read a lot, you know, I I I, I kind of answer that I kind of read Beatles books you know I think I've got 500 Beatles books you know and I so did you get did you get the uh, Philip Norman book on George Harrison this week not yet I, I, I know I know that it's I, I'm actually I'm actually reading Lewis Harrison book you know the the, the sister uh, the older sister of, of George who was right. living in the States at the, at the beginning of, of Beatles mania and who did play a role which I didn't know you know, she went to the radios, you know, with with singles, you know, and say, listen to the, that that record, you know, and and Brian Epstein used her till the end, till his end, till he died, you know, but he never wanted her to have an official role, you know why? Because she was a woman, and because these were the days, you know, and uh, so so it's a, it's a very interesting book, you know. So yes, I'll have to track and, that down. And, and, and she and she talks about uh, doing publicity in Wyoming or whatever you know, and uh, it's quite interesting, you know. Well, hopefully, it's not as um, quite as kind of. Um, I was thinking of Cherry Vanilla's kind of <laughs> talking about her, but, but that's another story, isn't it? Uh, well, well, I, I I like her too, you know. But it's the same. I mean, she she so. I mean, I, I I have Dana. Dana is is a bit outrageous or whatever, you know. But but it, it's good to have her, you know. But I mean, I wouldn't have like these people because. But I mean, Tony sent me uh, Tony Zanetta. I told him he, he sent me a few emails. He, he knows my work, you know, and uh, actually he likes things on the uh, on the social networks when he sees them, you know. But I mean, I didn't want to, as I'm as I'm saying, I, I'd rather stick to the music and also because I mean. Of, of course keep it for you but 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 of course having that relation with the estate that, that i can yeah that common respect you know it, it's better if if i don't go this way you know 
But I told I told Angie uh, at the time, and she said, "Jerome, if you ever need anything." Actually, she told me a few a, a couple of interns that are in the book, and, and, and she said, "If I can be, I understand." I said, well, "You know, I'm not going to go there because." And she said, "I totally understand. If I can be any, of, of any help, I'm here." You know, and uh, and that's it. You know, and she never came back to me saying, "Yeah, yeah, I could have told you better." Whatever. No, never. Sure. So. Yes, well, I do. I, she's I do. Not the, she's not the, the the bad girl that everybody wants wants her to find. No, thinks thinks she is, you know. And she no. did bloody help, you know. And the, the, without her, we we wouldn't be talking together now. That's pretty sure. <laughs> I know. No, I do love Angie. Okay. So anyway, thank you for your time. Yeah. Look, take care of yourself, and uh, best luck with your mum, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever need anything else, and if you ever come to Paris, I'm not in Paris, but I go to Paris very often, you know. And uh, and uh, and let me know when it, when it's on. You know, yes, so. I will. And I, I actually it, I... listened to when you did the guy from the BBC. I listened to it. Oh yes. Great. It was great. It's interesting, you know, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I, it was I, it was interesting that interview that he did with Courtney Pine, wasn't it? Yeah, of course, of course. I I, I mentioned I, I mentioned it in the in in the book. Yeah, because he was a uh, actually he he was um he was um he would uh, he, he didn't gave he didn't give any answer to music magazines after twenty o four, but but uh, <clears throat> every time I had a question to ask, he he, he answered. You know, and the Zane 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 uh, uh explanation in, in, in Rainbow Man comes from David in 2014, you know. Because actually I was asking Tony and uh and uh he said, Well, I should ask David. And and Tony says, David, it's Jerome, he wants to know about Zane 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 Ouvre le Chien. I said, pass it on. So, so I had David and he said, well, I did that because uh, at the time, my brother, whatever. So it, it, it lasted two minutes, you know, but I mean, he, he was always, uh, he always answered me, you know, and uh, you know, that the, the difference between him and many people is that when, when I used to asking something, he would, he would answer in five minutes, whatever the time, you know, whatever the time of day, he would answer in five minutes, you know? Yes. I, Maybe he was ultra ultra connected. I don't know. He <laughs> was he was always fast on answering, and then when he when he was when he was asking questions, he he wanted people to be fast too. <laughs> Blimey! Yes. Well, look. Have a say. Take care of care yeah, of yourself, of and I'll keep in touch. Thanks again. Okay, we keep in touch. Bye. Bye bye. And that, dear listener was me in conversation with Jerome Salegni talking about his new book that's just been pub- published in English, David Bowie, Rainbow Man, 1967 to 1980, available from Orga Bookshops and also online. This was originally um, published in French in 2019, has just been translated, 700 pages, very interesting indeed, so do check it out and um, yes, enjoy This has been the C86 Show, David Eastall. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. All these interviews have been archived. You can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. It's true. Have a great week. Stay safe.